Our feature guest, uh, London Jones, and it's about celebrity culture, which is a kind of was a bit of fun and a bit of an amusing diversion for the founding editor of People magazine. That was until it wasn't. Landon Jones says being famous has become a weapon of mass destruction with social media giving anyone a platform to say whatever will command our attention. He shares an insider's view of the celebrity industrial complex where fame rather than accomplishment is everything. His book is called Celebrity Nation, How America Evolved into a Culture of Fans and Followers. London Jones, kia ora. Let's start with the early days of People magazine. What was it about its editorial mandate that you felt was a good fit? Well, yes, the the thing in the early days of People was that we didn't even use the word celebrity. There was no such a creature. We thought we were going to do articles about interesting people or extraordinary people and also ordinary people who did extraordinary things. So it took us a while to figure out that what people really wanted to know about was famous people and people who had face recognition and name recognition. And, and so we went that way. And uh, that's what happened. The, uh, and it constantly surprised, surprised us. In what way? That uh, the celebrity alone could, could make some make people crave to learn more about them. And so when I that was one of the questions I asked myself when I was working on this book, which was, why did people care about celebrities at all? And um, particularly when they were not heroes, when, the, when celebrity became something detached from accomplishment. And it goes all the way. So I, I found myself going all the way back to the Greek gods and trying to understand the Greek gods and then I f- found out that the first truly famous mortal was uh, Alexander the Great. And why? Because his technology, that was, and, and that made him famous, his face on a coin. And so there was this urge that people had to be reverential that came from Greek gods. Then it got transferred to Alexander the Great. And then with every succeeding technology that came along, wh- whether it was books, and the first photographs and engraved books and then radio and teletype and and then you know tele the early movies and then te- and then television and then social media all of the media the new technologies have driven greater and greater numbers of te- of our celebrities that's really interesting uh, about Alexander the Great and the face on the coin. I suppose you can draw some parallels perhaps with what you put on the front cover. And with People magazine, what kind of rules, I guess, written or unwritten, did you have about how you put those covers together? And, and what does that tell us about how celebrity was viewed then? You know, what I used to do when I was the editor of focus groups so we'd get together a group, a small number of, of readers, and I wanted to find out who they were interested in. And the focus group moderator would be warm up the group by asking a question. And the question was, who are your heroes? But then one time I noticed she had stopped asking that question. So I said to her, how come you don't ask people who their heroes are? And she said, because they can't think of any. And that was a clue. 
some, to something about the nature of celebrity that it was taking up so much bandwidth that people no longer thought about heroes and who they really admired. And when it came to interviews, you've had quite a share of celebrity encounters. I think Malcolm X and Princess Diana and Elizabeth Taylor, it's an extraordinary list of people. How did you approach yes. people when they were so famous, when you were preparing for an interview? Yeah, that was a surprise for me when I was talking to the people and I would tell my friends about this. They would say, oh, you have to write a book. But uh, but I had to have a point. And one of the things I had learned with the first celebrity I ever interviewed was Malcolm X, the, the revolutionary, the African-American revolutionary. And I thought, he's not going to want to talk to me. And I, I was a, you know, a, a preppy kid. And uh, I was in college. And, but when I, what I realized was that he was professorial, he wanted to teach me. He, he, he couldn't have been better and, and determined to help me understand his point of view. And what it taught me was that if you think you know something about celebrities, you don't. And I found that similarly true with Elizabeth Taylor. When I went to meet her, I was so nervous that I dropped my tape recorder and all my all my lavender violets on the floor. And, um, and she, she just laughed at me and turned out to be a, a very decent, thoughtful person who was raising money for for AIDS research and pediatric AIDS. And it was the same thing with Princess Diana. Um, she was girlish, she was flirty, but she was also serious. And she was trying then to raise money also for breast cancer and for pediatric AIDS. I mean, it used to be said that a celebrity without a cause was like a woodpecker without a tree. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But it was more than that for them. I mean, they really truly believed. So I was impressed with all of them. Yeah, that's an interesting observation about people once they've gained, if that's the right word, their celebrity status, actually using it to do some good in the world. Yeah, I hope so. And that's been my my fervent hope, and that they do. And you see it happening. I mean, you have someone like Roger Federer and, and various American basketball players who are, are giving money for to disadvantaged kids to go to schools or building, in the case of Federer, building schools in South, South Africa. And you have young women like Greta Thunberg or Maria Ressa you know, who won a Nobel Prize for her work on free speech in the Philippines. And so you, you, you see some famous people with uh, accomplishments, but these people all had accomplishments. What I worry about are the celebrities with no accomplishment and who are also occupying a lot of bandwidth in our culture. And that's because people get rich doing it. The marketers pay the media to cover them, the media covers them because it helps them. And so, you know, there's sort of a vicious cycle that helps celebrities, people who are famous for being famous, um, get ahead at the cost of heroes. We might come on to that in a moment, but I guess I'm interested in um, how you dealt with people when, like you say with Elizabeth Taylor, you dropped your 
tape recorder, were you starstruck meeting some of these people and and aware of some of the the level of their fame? You know, they were so famous at the point that you were meeting them. I was always very aware. And I've always wanted to meet them. And there's a curiosity that comes from that. And it's, it's something like what a psychologist would call a parasocial relationship in which you you think you have an intimate relationship with someone who doesn't know you at all. And so it becomes a one-way street. And that's the way it was with me and Elizabeth Taylor, and to some extent with Princess Diana. I thought I knew them, but I didn't know them, and they didn't know me at one bit. And so it was a one-way street and, and sort of odd. But the allure of fame, which goes all the way back to the Greek gods, um, you know, the word celebrate is used by the Catholic Church to describe a priest who's performing a mass. And so he celebrates, or he or she, celebrate the mass. And um, and so a widow could be said to be celebrating her husband's death, but not as a joke, but as a serious matter. You mentioned that crossover between celebrities and heroes. And in the book, you write about heroes giving our society a coherence. Um, where does that line, well, where is the line between celebrities and heroes or have celebrities replaced heroes in our modern life? Yes. Well, I mean, celebrities are a big name and heroes are a big accomplishment. And celebrities typically do things for themselves and heroes do things for a larger community. So when you sit down and start to look at it, there those differences that always seems to me to be the critical thing about about them. In my book, I write about this a little bit. And the hero is a big person. The celebrity is a big name. You know, the, the hero is sacrificing, and the celebrity is selfish. <clears throat> also, the passage of time enlarges the hero, and the passage of time diminishes the celebrity. And so can you think of any people, or what sort of people would you pick out as being people who are well-known nowadays who are, I suppose, celebrities, but also fall into that hero category? The ones that people talk about are the um, the ones that, that are famous on social media or reality television. And so you have, you know, Kim Kardashian in the U.S. and, you know, who is famous, but people don't know why, why she is famous. And then you have, and celebrities are used to kind of embellish events. When you had uh, the King Charles coronation, a bunch of celebrities showed up. I think Will Smith was there. He was an actor. And um, what they had to do with that, I don't know. But they were celebrities. And so they they sort of polished, polished the armor. And you see this in Washington. Uh, the other day, the President Biden had a state dinner for Modi from India. And he invites a bunch of celebrities to sit there. Why? I don't know. I guess it gets them more press or more coverage, something like that, and more eyeballs. So it's about attracting eyeballs. When did you feel that the power and that allure of celebrity had gone too far? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's... It's a little hard to put the measure on it. I try hard. The, for example, if you if you use the Google search engine, 
the who are the most searched people last year on Google, they were like Will Smith, uh, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, people involved in celebrity divorces. And so the idea that the traffic on the internet is so largely for this. And the other thing is when you do studies of children and what what they aspire to now, it turns out that the that the surveys say that kids around 11 or 12 years old, what they aspire to is to be famous. And then they say, what kind of job you want? And they say, well, the job I want is to be an assistant to a celebrity. And so the proximity to celebrity is enough for for many young children who are not aspiring to the values of heroism. You know, I want to help the community. I want to do good. They're just saying, I, I want to be famous or I want to know a famous person closely. I guess social media has a lot to answer for, for an awful lot of things, but but certainly in this particular area. Um, it's not just about social media, though, is it? I guess not. I mean, social media is a big part of it. And a big part of it is getting the imagery out there. And as I said, it goes back, the imagery is going back to Alexander the Great. Um, but it does seem to be social media and, and movies and television. Those are the traditional roots for movie stars and fame was uh, to be a celebrated. Like Elizabeth Taylor was once that. She was a famous movie star. And, but then uh, then later on, when she wasn't making movies anymore, she was up on television, and I guess she was on the internet towards the end of her life. But, but it was something, a different medium, a different technology took over. Absolutely. And people were still getting rich off it. And that's what sponsors do with influencers. So they pay people to to uh, endorse their products. And then the people go out there and endorse the products, but but uh, that's all they're doing. They, they have no other credibility. Celebrity um, with movie stars, I suppose it's, it's worth just lingering on that for a moment because um, do heroes have to, in the Hollywood, sort of meeting the Hollywood test now, do they have to be good looking with a neat backstory? Has that changed at all with, with mass media and with social media? They have to be very careful and they, and they try to control the narrative. And if you look at the bestseller list of the books that sell the most these days, about half of them are celebrity memoirs. And, there's, and these the stars feel obligated to write a memoir in which they confess their sins. They say they their terrible childhood or whatever. And they say they've overcome overcome these difficulties and they've been redeemed. And that, that redemption narrative is a big part of the celebrity memoir and why and why they sell so well, because they relate to people. People want to think, well, that they're just like me. In fact, going back to People magazine, that was one of the things that we learned was, was that people wanted to see famous people as being just like them. And so we we had the photographers do photo shoots at their house. We saw them in their kitchen. We uh, we saw their pets. We I required uh, reporters to get the name of the of the dog because we would say the name of the celebrity's dog because that humanized them. And I guess 
this has been even further democratized by social media. You know, anybody can be famous these days, but for many places around the world, society is incredibly unequal. What is the kind of connection between those things? Oh, that's an interesting point too. It's certainly true about at least in in uh, in, the, in America the 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 uh, it's been very democratizing, you know, and and so so anybody with who is a celebrity can run for public office, and it doesn't matter if they have any experience in public service or in policy; they can just run for public office. But to go back to your point about well, then what about the rest of the world? And uh, and why there's so much inequality? That is a little hard for me to say. I don't really know to what extent that uh, celebrity is equally powerful all around the world. Whether that's true in India, it's certainly true in Korea with the uh, K-pop phenomenon. So the, it does happen, but I, I, I'm not sure what the boundaries are. You mentioned celebrities running for office. Um, perhaps people have been listening to this and are thinking, of course, one, perhaps the most famous one being Donald Trump. Um, he's really been able to leverage that celebrity status and to really change the narrative around himself and around some of his other uh, politicians and even people within his own party. I suppose I'm thinking of John McCain, who was held up as a hero, an actual hero, um, yeah. being reduced by Trump to, you know, a guy who got caught. Yes, I know. That is so That is so embarrassing, really. Um, but it's what happens. And the other theme I, I discovered, as I was looking at the history of celebrity, is that the more defiant you are, the the more people pay attention to you and you dominate the conversation. So defiance goes all the way back to to people like Oscar Wilde, you know, the writer, and uh and people like in America, Calamity Jane, the cowgirl. The more defiant and the more you defy people's expectations for what is normal or what is heroic, the more attention you get. So that is what that is what is happening there. And uh, as the defiance comes out ahead. And even this week, we see Donald Trump doing that. Absolutely. Um, when you look back on your career, do you or how do you view um, the elevation of celebrity culture? And and I guess to what extent People Magazine and, and you played in that? Yeah, I feel a little bit of mea culpa about that. <clears throat> but as we used to say at the time, we were not responsible for the abuses of our imitators. And uh, But still, we sort of paved the way there. That was the last thing we wanted to see happen. Um, but Princess Diana was on our cover 57 times. And that, that's a lot. So so we, we contributed plenty to that. Uh, but but then the, the the scale of celebrity increased so much with uh, reality television, which really came only about twenty years ago. It's already been more than a hundred reality TV shows, and then um, with with social media and the internet and the iPhone, 
Well, that was all from about 2006. What do you see or where do you see the damage that has been caused by this celebrity worship? Well, I see the damage several places. First of all, celebrities themselves feel the damage. Their life expectancy of a celebrity, and this has been studied, um, it's like 15 years at least fewer than the average average human being. And uh, for women, it's particularly damaging. Uh, they have 20 years less life expectancy. So it does damage to them. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from, you know, alcohol abuse and drugs and so on. But it also comes from low self-esteem, ultimately. Although many of them have what psychologists call acquired acquired situational narcissism, and they become narcissists. So that's the big one, is that celebrities themselves suffer. You don't want to become a celebrity. And then um, and then there's celebrity worshippers. Well, what happens to them is that they have low self-esteem, they overspend, they try to act like a celebrity or that they don't have the means to, and so that, that hurts them very much. And celebrity worshippers vote and get involved in their communities less often than people who are not celebrity worshipers. So it occupies their attention. Uh, I call it, a you know, celebrities are a weapon of mass distraction. It takes them away from the community and uh, and, and puts them focusing on the celebrity at the cost of, of everybody around them. And then finally, the community itself suffers when we have celebrities running for public office with, with no particular accomplishment and who really o- o- only can do damage. It's interesting you mentioned narcissism, that celebrities become narcissists. Do you think fame creates that or do you think narcissists are attracted to it? It's, it's a, another good question, thank you. It's a little of both. That um, Celebrities tend to tilt towards narcissists before they become famous. They are somewhat narcissistic and just to choose this route. But then when they become celebrities, then everything reinforces it. And so there's there's nothing else left there. And so they, you know, they, they want to be waited on. They expect the world revolves around them. And, and so all, all these negative attributes of, of narcissism appear. Landon, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for making the time for us. Okay, well, thank you. You as well. Landon Jones there. Uh, He was the founding editor of People magazine and his book, Celebrity Nation, How America Evolved into a Culture of Fans and Followers. Fascinating to talk to him today on Afternoons.